Hi, I'm Kevin, pretending to be Alex, but I'm still super. <laughs> and I'm Dennis, and I am natural. He is <laughs> natural. And They're that making leaves... me the junkie. What? Rude. Yes, well, that means you get to interrupt more. Oh, good. Okay. And dominate conversations. Okay, and who are we? We are the Supernatural Junkies. Take 95. I am Alex, and I'm super. And I'm Dr. Kevin, and I'm the natural. <laughs> voice cracked. And I'm Pastor Rob, and I'm still a junkie. And we are the, the Supernatural super Junkies. junkies. That yeah, wasn't bad. That's that was good. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Supernatural Junkies. We are so happy to have you all here today. Blessed that you are here and thankful. And we have an extra special show today, not just because Dr. Kevin is here. Say hi, Dr. Kevin. Hi, Dr. Kevin. Okay. We're going to move on now. And we have an extra special guest who's an amazing man. He's Pastor Mark Culligan. He yeah, he is amazing. He has so many things going on right now. Um, he's part of a program called New Hearts Outreach. He also is the CEO trustee and founder if, and let me see if i get this right he tried to correct me the sola deo gloria international and um if you guys are saying what is that well stick around because you're going to find out exactly what that is we're going to let him tell us because he's got so much information you don't want to miss this episode All so right. this is the part where you say hello yes say hello mark say hello. hello welcome welcome yeah nice to be with you guys that's right we're excited to we're have you. blessed to have you today <laughs> we, we'd like for him to start us off with a prayer today because yes. that'll get us off on the right foot here would you mind not at all are you kidding I just shared the praise report this morning about the guy in the building, yeah. you know, who has responded to my prayer. Hey, out there, prayer matters. That's right. That's right. Keep on praying. Let's pray. Yeah. Lord, we love you. We That's praise right. you. God, Amen. you are unbelievable. Uh, and you are supernatural. Yes. Yeah. And you work in ways that we can't wrap our brain around. Yes. But Lord, you're a heart God. And we just thank you for who you are, Lord. I just pray that you would come present now and be with us. Yes, and Lord, be with those who are listening. Touch their hearts. Touch Amen. their lives. Amen. Lord, transform Amen. them in some way and make them love you in a deeper way. Yes, and learn your amazing fatherhood. And we just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so amen. much for that. that. So um, I had a chance to meet Mark at a pastor's meeting. And, um, you know, Mark is going to be bringing up some subjects today, you know, that people just don't want to talk about. And more specifically, you know, if you're struggling with sexual things, and even including sexuality, such as uh, homosexuality or you know, transgender, sexual identity, identity, yeah. identity dysphoria. confusion, dysphoria, all these things are difficult subjects. People don't want to talk about this in the church these days, but this is absolutely part of the equation because when you become a Christian, 
you're just a sinner. Right. And there's, All of us are. There's no special kind of super awesomely horrible sin, right? right? This is just the way that it is. So in Christ, you know, there is no more condemnation, right? And so this is why if we can't talk about these things, because God is still what? On his throne. People are being Sorry. delivered. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you with some of the sexual things that I've struggled in my life, that God has been able to deliver me of those things. And these sexual things are have caused me a lot of grief, right? And a lot of consequences even sometimes. And so this is a part where we get to be real. We get to be honest right. that, you know, this is who I was. This is what happened to me when I was a Christian or a struggling Christian, right? And this is where, you know, God was able to take me. So, um, well, let's be honest right now. It's, it's, that's very relevant with everything that we have going on in the schools, right? With even Disney, you know, the don't say gay bills, they call it, which is not what it was or what its name is. But uh, this has really been the subject that we're talking about today has really been in the spotlight and, and how it's getting out there. And it is everywhere. You can't avoid the subject. And so we need to talk about this because that's what we do on the Supernatural Junkies. And we can certainly talk about some of those other things. But, you know, right now we have Mark here. And Mark, I would love to hear you. How 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 is it that you just came into this? What was your personal struggle that you personally yeah. went through, you know, as you were wrestling with some of these sexual issues in your life? Well, the ministry that we work with, New Hearts Outreach, is 23 years old. And um, <clears throat> how is it that I got into ministry? Well, I personally have dealt with homosexuality. Yeah, as an eight-year-old uh, kid growing up in Miami, Florida, yeah, I'm a Florida cracker. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Florida man. Got to work on that cracker accent, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, at eight years of age, my dad um, punished me for taking his pliers. I did not have a clue where his pliers were. He found them the next day on a windowsill where he himself left them. There was no apology. And um, as an eight-year-old kid, you know, how do you process through being punished for something you didn't do by your father? So this was a, ba a major wound for me early mm. on. And I made a vow as a kid. And I said, I'm out of here with dad. And so I made a vow and I went over into the company of my mom and two older sisters. So I got a lot of feminine input, you know. Mm. Uh, and um, it was not a happy family situation. Uh, and uh, what I know now is the research says that I defensively detached from the same-sex parent. In other words, I received a wound, and I said, I'm out of here. I don't want to be wounded again. Mm -hmm. And so I did not get the mm -hmm. male role modeling from my dad, uh, and uh, we just did not have a good relationship. What, what, what can I tell you? Sad but true. My dad was a preacher's kid, mm -hmm. uh, and um, that wasn't a good thing. Mm. Uh, it was sort of maybe quasi-legalistic, and, uh, mm. and what I know now that those who struggle with this issue very often are born with a sensitive temperament. I was just, mm. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. A sensitive temperament sets up a person for this. Mm. 
And if you have a Marlboro man for a dad and comes on with the rough and tumble stuff, it's like we cannot relate to that at all. That's not our language. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can't compete either. No. You can't meet those requirements. No, no. Uh, And so um, that's just the way it was for me. Uh, But, uh, and, and... Fast forward, so now I have, I have, I'm now in my 30s, say, but I now have chosen to act out with men, and the devil came in and whispered in my ear, if you just have sex with men, you'll solve the problem. You'll get what you're looking for. Guess what? After 20 years, it wasn't what I needed. Uh, And the point in time came when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. He had a brain tumor and he, he died. But before he died, it's like all of a sudden, you know, God has in each of our hearts a heart for our dad. A son wants to be welcomed into the company of men, wants to uh, affirm the reality that we're men That's like right. dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think it was just a supernatural work of God. Uh, 30 years into my life, and my dad's about to die, and I said, I have got to go tell my dad I love him. Mm-hmm. I never told my dad I loved him. Oh, wow. But he's my dad. Yeah. You know? And so the time came. Um, And years ago, they used to have on homes what they called a Florida room in the back. Now it's different. There are family rooms and so on. (laughs) But, you know, Dad had his chair out in his room, you know, that was sort of his space. And I got up enough courage and approached him, and I said, Dad, uh, I just want you to know that I love you. Hmm. And his response was, He laughed. My dad did not have the capacity Mm. at an emotional level, you know, to speak to me. And so, and during the funeral, I I hesitate to say this, but I disrupted the whole funeral. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed at my dad's funeral. So that was a major, major, major issue in my life. Family of origin stuff. Mm. Mm. What we know now is there's no perfect family out there. You know, everybody does the best job they can with the deck of cards they're dealt. But uh, we're supposed to honor our father and mother. But you know what? I think God wants us to be honest about the dynamics and what's going on as well. So that was a major uh, issue uh, in my life. And the loss of the love of my dad was, was major. So were you hungry for nurturing from other men? Or it was just having Hello. Hello. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. So not having that connection with men, then the devil comes in Mm. and says, hey, you can get that connection. Let me tell you how to do it. Well, because as a child, you're hungry for that, and you grow up with that hunger. Oh, yeah. Children need nurture. They do. From both moms Mm -hmm. and dads. Mm -hmm. I didn't get hugs from dad, you Mm. know? It was like I was over here and dad was over there. Uh. Mom was a nurturer, fortunately. But so I had a major lack of 
having my same sex uh, gender needs met. Mm -hmm. They weren't met for me. And so I left my upbringing with a need to to have my same sex gender needs met. And I chose the wrong road. Hello. They did become sexualized and, um, you know, 20 years, 20 years. Uh, so, um, yeah, I could tell you a whole lot more about my story. It involves clinical treatment. I yeah. actually went into treatment for 30 days, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was a blessing for me. It was a real blessing. Uh, there were uh, courses on anger, mm. courses on emotional dependency, uh, besides dealing with the addiction piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, actually, if I may, I want to tell you a story sure. about a, a gay guy that I met in treatment. Sure. We were told at the outset, don't talk about your gay thing. We're going to put you in an addiction group, but we don't want any of the straight guys to know because they might be uncomfortable. <laughs> they, it was a community. I like all kinds of sexual stuff. We're in this group, right? right. But you know, uh, those of us that have had experience, I mean, I connected with this other guy. We knew that it was gayness that we were dealing with, right? Right. This guy was brilliant. He was a concert pianist. I mean, I was just in awe of this guy. So there was a Thursday night in the treatment program where they invited parents in to work with the people who were in treatment. So it was like family night, Mm -hmm. right? And so they invite this gentleman's dad in, and it was his night to do work. All the rest of us were there, gathered around. So they did what they call sculpting. They kind of put the son and the father back to back in kind of an Mm -hmm. adversarial posture, Mm -hmm. which reflected their relationship, Mm -hmm. which was not any different than my relationship with my dad. So the dad starts speaking to his son and it was very obvious that it was like he was lecturing his son. Mm. You would think that his dad was a college professor. And come to find out, in reality, he was. Uh-huh. And when his son responded back, he responded back in kind. Here mm. was the father and the son lecturing each other. This was a main dynamic wow. in their relationship. There are no mysteries here, mm. right? And so the therapist that was working with us, so that the father and son couldn't see, said, start praying. You know, he moved his hands into the prayer posture. Oh, my goodness. And so we silently were praying. It's like, this is not rocket science. Yeah, there's a problem here. (laughs) At one point, the father's voice broke, and he got it. And he just went and embraced his son, and the son embraced his dad, and tears started flowing Mm. down both their cheeks. It was like the the dad got it, you know? And so there was a beautiful piece of healing and restoration. Perhaps this Mm. is the first time they had embraced. Who knows? So this reinforces the reality of these early Mm. father-son situations. Well, he just put both me and Alex in tears. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and 
Here's what I'm going to say, you know, it's surprising, but, you know, we look at the other sides of this, you know, that sexual stuff is sexual for all of us, right? So you look at pornography, for example, for men, it's not so much the pornography, it's the rejection. In other words, that they feel rejected by the other people, right? By women in particular. And so this is part of them affirming themselves. So you see this same dynamic works no matter which side of this equation is you're struggling with, right? Yeah. So one of the questions that I, I really got from you, I really totally understood how your dad and you were so different. It was just, you were just not on the same wavelength. It was very difficult for him to understand you and vice versa. But one of the things I want you to go back to is you said you made a vow. What was this vow that you made? Because again, what I heard was, I got hurt and I made a vow that that will never happen again. I will never let anybody that close inside my circle of trust. I'll never let that happen again. And so what was that vow? How did that, what did that look like? I don't want to have anything to do with dad. Right. Dad does not exist. Right. Uh, yeah. Yep. You cut him out. And children can make vows. You know, yeah. children make right. vows that are not helpful. Can I tell you one other thing that happened in treatment in that regard? So uh, another piece of therapy that we were working with, um, there was uh, a, a therapist had a group of us, and there was low lighting and soft Christian music uh, playing. And <laughs> this may freak people out, but this is what happened. And it was a major help for me. He had us all laid out on the floor. And he, he put sheets over all of us for distractions, to help with the distractions mm -hmm. so that we wouldn't be distractions. And the therapist was operating in this way. You're now 18. What I want you to do is let the Holy Spirit take you back to age 18 mm. and share with us any traumatic wounds already. And then he said, you're now 17 and you're now 16. Are you getting this? And when he got to eight years of age, I let out a sound I call it a wail. Mm. I had never heard anything like it. But at age eight, when this traumatic thing with dad happened, I had cut myself off from the love of my father. That was the pain I was living yeah, with. That's because you were so hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he touched base with that. And they did not come and pat me on the head. They did not give me a Kleenex. They let me sit in that pain. Feel it, own it, right. and, you know, walk through it. And so sexual stuff quiets pain. That's right. You mm. know? Uh, and uh, so anyway, that was a major turning point in my journey mm. because I wasn't you know, trying to fix it a variety of different ways. They let me sit right in the pain. I lost the love of my father. That's mm -hmm. huge. That's huge. Yeah. 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 At my own determination. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it, there was, uh, the, the clinical experience for me was a major healing piece. It yeah. just really jump-started me. Because we I were able to huge. unpack some of that stuff in the beginning. I think that's so important. I think for anyone that's had wounds, I myself have 
you know, come from a very wounded background with my parents. And um, I think it's really important that you, you see, I love that he did that with you. I know some people are like, no, no therapy. I think with the right therapist, I think therapy is amazing because it can shine a light maybe a mirror back that you didn't even see, right? Oh, wow. It's yeah. like, right? It rings that bell and you're like, wow. But it allows you to own that part of yourself and you can you can see, for me anyway, and obviously for you, right? That yeah. you can see like where it led you to make these choices yeah. that made it worse, yes. right? And I could see like in my life where I had done that too, just by being able to go back to that place and really feel that pain. It's not fun. Yes. But at least if you own it, you can you can own yourself then exactly really important. you can move forward yeah, yeah. And it's really important i think so many times you know um you see people try and push it down and as you saw right in your life that's what you tried to do and yeah right it was a band-aid yes but didn't heal that pain that initial pain not at all yeah i think that's beautiful thank yeah. you for sharing. it was a christian treatment center by the way that's amazing yeah. i love that yeah love and that. you can see that wounds make us you know with the ones that were supposed to love us the most are the ones i know for myself you know when i went through my divorce you know when you go through this you know rejection if you will i think that that's kevin Ding. really spin you into a spiral of pain and again you're talking about how do i cover up this pain so it's really interesting that you say that and then again you can see where the pornography comes in because again that you don't feel rejected, right? And so this is part of this whole negative cycle, but of course it's also not real, right? It's not real. Right. It's not what you really needed. What you really needed were healthy relationships with, with other men. And so I did explain this to a friend of mine um, that it was at least far enough into the conversation because he's gay. And I told him, I said, you know, you act like I don't know what it's like to love other men right as in die for them like i call them almost every week or my dad i call them two three times a week right so my brother my dad i have two or three friends of mine that i mean i would die for them right they these are awesome men i have them in my life i i don't have any need you know for these other men relationships and so i recognize that i have this need right as all people have need for you know, same-sex relationships. And this is really important. So if you don't have that, you can really see where this can really set you up for, you know, Satan using, right? Giving you a, a counterfeit here, right? And so how this can end up happening in a person's life, you know? So that's what I got out of some of what you're saying. It really sets you up. And then you also said you're, you're a little more sensitive. What, what are some of the, you mentioned some things that you did when you were in high school, like you were you in music and some of these other things and then how that caused you to hang around with certain types of... But wait, I have another question before that. Did your father notice that you had pulled away at all? Did he... I, we're talking a different generation too, right? A totally different generation where parenting was a totally different model than this helicopter parenting that, you know, or attachment parenting and all these, you know, very... um. um huggy feely type type of nurturing that we we tell pe parents that children need now it was a different generation right so did he notice um <clears throat> he really didn't respond uh didn't seem to worry about it oh well that's what i you know mark did mm. and so did you have brothers no okay. two older sisters ah, okay. yeah um yeah 
It was just the way it was, yeah. Uh, I have another piece of the story. <laughs> this is probably more than you bargained for. Um, but before my dad died, five years after he passed, one of my sisters, who's a believer, came to me and said, by the way, the Holy Spirit's calling me to share this with you. Just before dad died, he invited all of us into his bedside, and he told us this, don't trust Mark wow. and it's like what? thank you so much for sharing you know I'm dealing with all this other stuff and um, she shared that but get this oh. get God you want a God story so now we're we're fast forwarding uh, and now I, I have come out of treatment and aftercare, this suggested aftercare said, I, we want you to contact relatives of your dad, brothers, sisters, and ask them what the, your upbringing was like with their generation, mm. you know? Uh, and so I called my uncle, he was still living, uh, and I shared, this is what we're supposed to do. I did not share with him what my sister had shared with me and he says, well, first of all, your dad was the clown in the family. He had a great sense of humor, and that's true. One of the wonderful things about my dad was, and doesn't that come in handy, Right. you know, in the midst of the craziness? Gotcha. But he, he shared that, and then he paused a moment, and he said, oh, by the way, I never knew my grandfather, by the way, his father. Mm. Uh, by the way, just before your grandfather died, he invited us all into his bedside and said to us, don't trust Mark. Also my father's name. Oh my Are goodness. you getting this? Mm. Yes. There's something in the scripture that's called a generational curse. Right. Mm -hmm. This did not have anything to do with me. Right. Mm. It was a generational curse. Wow. So uh, heads up, folks. Look at the scripture and believe what you see and right. read. Yes. It is real. Right. Absolutely. And hurt people. Hurt people. Yeah. 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 He, he couldn't. He couldn't love you like that because he hadn't been loved like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. One, it makes you saw you saw him as more human then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You could forgive yeah. him easier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know because I've dealt with that with my mother. Yeah. yeah. It allows you to see them as people. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, wow. Now, I, like he did the best he could. Right. You, you know, because you're healed from it. It yes. allowed you to have that healing love for him yes. even after. That's great. I love yes. that. Yeah. That's full circle. I mean, that's because that's the only thing, right? God's love is the only thing that heals anybody. But, you know, you people who are listening, stick with God. Be patient. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are steps. Some people call it onion skins. Yeah. That, you know, it, layer by layer by layer. Mm -hmm. Hang in there and trust God, even though it's difficult, because you will be blessed. Well, and here's the thing, you know, you know, no matter what you're struggling with, whether you're living with somebody that you're not married to, you know, or whether you're struggling with pornography or homosexuality or transgender, the truth is, is that you, you don't feel like Christians understand you, honestly. Uh, you don't feel like you can be real. Uh, you feel like, you know, these people have all got their lives together and I'm just the odd man out. 
And again, you know, you kind of make the same vow. And again, it probably goes back to earlier. You know, for myself, I was very lucky to have parents that I had. You know, I was able to tell them the truth of some of the things that happened in my life and so on and so forth. So you can have your your father, instead of, you know, bestowing kind of a curse as he was doing for you, the beautiful thing is that we, we learn even if our father did curse us, our heavenly father didn't. And we can break those curses. And right. that's something that we will do a whole bunch of shows on because we have a book about that. But the long story short for me is, is that, you know, it's hard. You, you can't think about this. If you don't tell somebody the truth, then they can never know the truth about you, which means they will never be able to love you. Somebody that lies in a relationship is somebody that's sabotaging any ability they have to ever be loved. Because if you lie to that person and then they eventually tell you, I love you, you'll know that they don't because they don't even know you. And this is that fundamental place. And that's why this is a hole that we have in the church, that we, we have people that are struggling, walking in these doors, and God knows us, and God loves us, and God totally understands. He didn't die for us because we had it all together, right? Uh, Christianity is not a second chance, right? This is, this is about something that God is going to be with us throughout our lives, that he will never abandon us. Right. But the point is, is that when we walk in church, we don't feel like that. It's not the place a lot of times where we feel like we can actually be real and be accepted. And that's why we have to find a place, a circle of trust. And, uh, and so that's what I like to share. And that's why we want to talk about this. We'll get to some of the the action plans and some of how that can happen. But when we were talking previously, you know, your search for, you know, who could you trust, right? How did that pan out in high school? Because, you know, that's when we're all kind of searching for our identities, you know, and where do we fit in? And you were talking about some of the groups and I think you... Uh, so in high school, I first kind of had this quote unquote feeling like if you line 10 guys up in front of me, um, there may be only one where, what is this? There's right. something going on, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I first experienced that in high school with a guy who was in the choir. Right. You know, he was very artsy, very gifted, talented, and it was uncomfortable. I mean, it was the first time I felt these weird feelings that people talk about, you right. know? It's like, what is this? What's going on? And um, so, yeah, that was the first time it was in high school when right. I really felt these feelings. And so it was several years after that before, you know, I went there and, and went full tilt in that direction. Um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I was, uh, I have a master's degree in voice and singing. I've done a lot of concert work. And um, I want to say this, the Lord has opened up my life to speak. It doesn't happen in everybody's life. It doesn't need to happen in everybody's life. But to this day, back to the church situation. I go to church on Sunday. It's a wonderful church. The pastor is 110% behind our ministry. We office at the church for nothing. 
Amen. But I go to church on Sunday, and I eyeball another guy, and he will immediately look the other way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. I, my testimony is open, which is wonderful. There's a liberty and so on. But to this day, I don't know whether that awakens some sexual stuff in the other guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's going you don't on know what's there. Going on. Yep. But still, there is this discomfort in church they know my story they know the ministry and i'm about ready to reach out to them and they look <laughs> they look you know uncomfortable what right. you were saying right yeah well and, you know i think that that's normal with anybody that's just different in any way or somebody that we don't understand the good thing is like i said i have you know number of people you know in my life and or especially with doing youth group stuff or single stuff i've had a lot of people uh, a lot of people that were struggling with you know the homosexual side of the issue and and how it, it panned out in their life and how they were struggling with it and why they struggled with it and uh, so you know that's not something that's strange and so at least to me so but there's always a little awkwardness you know so kevin had asked you earlier but i interrupted um, you were saying how you're sensitive. You were sensitive growing up. You're a sensitive person. Wait, did you just admit you interrupted me? <laughs> yes, yeah, the only time it'll wow. ever happen. He usually interrupts me. I'm going to replay this part about a thousand uh, times. <laughs> by, by the way, it's usually the other way yeah. around. You, you... <laughs> yeah, they can attest to that. Listeners can attest to that. But um, I, I wanted to hear more about that in which ways you were sensitive and how you noticed that or how that set you apart. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was not a rough and tumble boy. Yeah. Um, people have told me I could be an interior decorator. I like colors. I like textures. Uh, I, I just am not rough and tumble, you yeah. know. And I'm not into sports. I mean, you know, hooray for those that go there. It's a wonderful right. thing. But um, so over the years, I've had to get comfortable with the reality of how God made me. Right. right. You know? Yeah. And, and I like it now. But um, has that answered your question? I had to own the reality that I was different, but not in a gay way. Exactly. That doesn't make you gay. Being sensitive doesn't make you gay. It doesn't make you anything. It just makes you sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm what you would call a highly sensitive person. Yeah. Um, And so I totally understand. That doesn't. I I cry easily, you know? Yeah. I call that the Jeremiah curse. <laughs> we, Weeping we prophet. Put label, yeah. On on these things, like instantly, oh, it must mean yeah. right because you're good with color. Oh, then you're gay, or yeah. you're, right? Yeah. It's like oh, you're moved by music. That doesn't. Make yeah, you gay. classical music. Oh, oh classical wow, music. I'm, I'm classically trained. You know. Oh wow, that whole thing. Yeah. Well, and you start to realize that that some of our preconceptions, right, about what a man is, have clearly been wrong. Does that make sense? And that somehow a man that is this or this or this, you know, doesn't fit this mold. And so therefore, you can see that in the movement. You can see that all the creative people are all gay. Does that make sense? Right. And you can see that like almost like they own that, right? That other people can't be creative. And so this is something that you can see that if you are in this this fashion, this is some of the way God made you, you can see why you're going to identify with them. Right. And it that is the key part of, of what I've seen, you know, just in knowing people and so on and so forth that struggle with this. But I think some of that sensitivity and that that sort of volatile creativity, is that just angst? 
you know is that just you know you're you're working out these these issues and you're pouring that into something creative you know is it that angst that's driving that yeah well you know there's a search for identity in all of this you know and so we're going to put a round peg in a square hole no matter what. You That's know, right. we're going to be who we're going to be. And if I have to exert my creativity, boy, whether you like it or not, this is who I am sort of thing. Mm-hmm. A hunger and a thirst for identity. But reflecting on that and talking about this whole sensitivity thing, guess what I found out in Matthew chapter 11? Tell me. Where God says, um, all you who are weary, you know, come to me and learn. What does he say? Jesus says, for I am humble and in my translation, gentle. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know? And there's another scripture that says, your gentleness has made me great. That's right. So we sign on. The more of God's word we learn. Yeah. 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 Because we're supposed to be more and more like Jesus. That's right. That's right. So we learn who he was and the facets of his personality. And hey, it's amazing. We're in. Yeah. We're in with Jesus. You know, we can relate. Well, you know, and you know, before I was married, before I had kids, you know, I always thought, okay, Jesus specifically said, "Suffer the little children to come on." You could have translated, "Come on, send them on down." Right? You yeah. see what I'm saying? You think like, what single guy? I mean, until I had kids. Now, when I once so I've had kids and I see babies or little kids, I just love it because every time I see them, I think I think of my child when they were. But it wasn't that way uh-huh. until I had a child, right? There you and go. You start to see there was a part of me that was completely dormant, completely not, no access to it, no consciousness of it, no even mental assent, that there was a whole part of me that was dormant, you know. Okay, and likewise with my gay self, um, we learned that in us is the true masculine. That's right. There's more than the effeminate. There's more than the creative. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, these days I have stood in front of lots of people and shared all these personal broken places. And that takes guts, mm-hmm. you know. It does. And so vulnerability. We're, we're on a journey for more of the true masculine. And God is multifaceted and teaches us that, you know. He's angry. He has righteous indignation. Exactly. And he has compassion. So part of the work we do when I'm mentoring guys, and hey, wait a minute, guys, there's a balance here. You know, it's not all sensitive. Uh, Look at Jesus as our example. Mm -hmm. And so we're pulling the true masculine out of guys, you know? Yes. Which is their inheritance in God. That's right. And so that's part of it as well. That's amazing. And, And there's just no way to make a man, any man, to be reproducing this full image of God. It just can't happen. And so that's why you see some of this polarization between so much different in men and in women. Yes. You know, and that's that lack of acceptance, you know, this narrow mindset that's also producing a lot of the problem. Yes. And you see the hurt that happened, the disconnect between fathers and sons. So this is where all that comes into play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was going to say, what was you, you mentioned that you did that for, you were struggling with that for 20 years this year. What was the point that you got to where you, yeah, what was, was your, your crisis turning point? point? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you invited me, here we go. 
it gets worse. <laughs> so I finally confided uh, to a straight guy, a friend, uh, that I was struggling. Because I was not out and open, you know, like things are now. Right. Yeah. I mean, this was under wraps. So I, there was a straight friend in church, and I just had to get it out. I mean, it's like I was ready to burst at the seams, right. you know, because I'm living two lives. Yeah. Not comfortable. Um, so I mentioned it to him, and so here was his advice. Mark, you just need to meet a good woman, and that'll fix it. Uh, so what did i do not knowing any better i got married right you know i got married wow uh and so uh the sixth year of our marriage i remember we had come up to tampa bay uh and um the having a family gathering we were at the la quinta motel Mm. and i woke up at 5 a.m one morning and i my wife was still sleeping, and I went into the bathroom, and I was just such, I was in such turmoil with mm. all of this, you know. My effort had failed. Our relationship in marriage wasn't working out well. Hello? Mm. And it was like there was that moment in time where God gave me grace to just own the reality, not any more grin and bear it. It's like... God, you have got to do something in me because this ain't working. My plan A has failed. And I knelt by the bathtub and I literally cried out to God. And I said, God, I am making a mess of this thing. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Uh, And so soon after that, I uh, entered treatment then uh, and um, started getting better. Yeah, but earlier on, (laughs) I don't think this will be a a prize-winning script, but (laughs) anyway, it's a true story. So earlier on, I had married another woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, that did not work out at all. So you're talking, uh, a guy sitting here that tried, uh, you know, to fix it himself with not one but two failed marriages. Right. And... um, a lot of heartache. And so my suggestion at this point is whoever is listening, trust the Lord with this. Find a guy that you can trust and share your heart and ask for help now. Right. Don't wait for a lifetime and make the mistakes that I made. Um, God will receive you. God isn't wringing his hands with this issue. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And it's not easy. It's difficult, but it's true. Some of your relationships will fail. They'll fall away. Jesus will stick with you for the duration. You can always go to him. And I think, you know, when do you think you had that first person in your life that you were able to tell this to that actually gave you or pointed you to there's some of the right directions? I think that was in treatment. Mm-hmm. So you that know, began my journey. I mean, these people had my interest at heart. 
And so they were telling it straight, you know, what needed to happen. So were you always in the church then and sought a Christian counselor? Oh, I had a master's in music. I was the choir okay. director. Are oh. you kidding me? I was praising God on Sunday, but I, don't ask me what I did oh on my Monday. Gosh. You must have been tormented. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, being pulled in two directions. Uh, yeah. So you think about now, I mean, right now there's a movement to, and I think even some states, this is illegal. I know it can be in Canada to even try and counsel someone that they is could actually change at all right that most of the time just saying the fact that you could change is almost like a criminal charge in some it, it, well now if if a child a minor says that they have any dysphoria meanwhile it's encouraged at all and they talk to the counselor or they talk to a therapist um that therapist if they don't if they in any way deny challenge right they're in trouble right right they can't and they'll report the parents if the parents challenge the child at all yes one of the steps in the ministry is referral to licensed christian therapist right but we have vetted these christian therapists because there's a whole lot of different stuff out there called Christian therapists. Yes. And we have found that you have to be really careful and really selective uh, referring people uh, to counselors. Yeah, Uh, you're right, that's a real issue. But you know what? If they wanna arrest me for helping people, we're gonna put it on the front page. That's right. You know, I will go to jail, thank you and let the whole world know that they're believing a lie and that people can change and this dude in tampa decided to help people wow you're talking major media exposure right it might be uncomfortable so anyway but that truly is an issue yes absolutely so how from this point because you've now gone through counseling you are in the healing process what was that like how long did it take do you feel healed do you feel whole I, just i'm curious just so what you're saying is uh, so do you still have feelings after all this yeah uh, i guess that's the real question yeah right yeah i mean isn't that what everybody i get wants it to know? i get asked it all <laughs> yeah. the time you know are you really changed are you really no healed? i don't mean like that i just mean like no, because but, that's that's it was so long a part of you and in um it was you know the sexualized part of you do you no longer find that attractive do you how do you deal with that yeah it's an important question and thank you for asking it yeah so when i was deep into this stuff um i would say probably 90 percent of the time or more my gaydar was up and operating this is addiction okay and I would say today, uh, maybe two, three percent of the time. I will not say I'm perfect because I would be lying. None of us is perfect. Right. All fall short. So That's I, right. with freedom and liberty, mm-hmm. say that mm, two, three percent of the time I will notice someone. I mean, I'll, I'll, my head will turn. Yeah. 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 But I have a game plan. And so I'm not going there, you know? Right. And the scripture talks about, hey, we all have uh, temptations and our head turns in one way or another. But the scripture offers a game plan. 
And mm-hmm. so, I are you kidding me? All the heartache that I have been through? No, thank you. But uh, my life isn't perfect. Yeah. No Sorry. One's yeah. <laughs> and, and, and no one's is. And yeah. just to yeah. be honest with you, I think there is a reason why Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman, right? Yeah. He talks about equating that this is some type of spirit of adultery. Yes. And, you know, I'm 55 years old and there is still, like you say, those few times where, you know, you go to the gym or you walk down the street or, you know, you go to a water park and all the girls are in bathing suits. <laughs> I mean, I'm not dead yet. That's what I found out. Right. And so this is a real part Yes. of reality it's a human existence it's, it's yes. human there's a humanness yeah. to yeah. all of this temptation and exactly this this temptation is always going to be there and that's the reality and it gets better as we get older i mean no i like thor you know yeah. she's allowed to like thor <laughs> right he's the only jason guy. statham yeah she likes usually she likes bald guys that, <laughs> that seems to really work likes. better you know, like she's allowed to like The Rock and Jason Statham, and she likes she likes Jean Luc Picard. Oh, Jean Luc Picard. Oh. And him. and you may not know that in the gay community, each guy has a type, right? That he's kind of you know some are oh Latino, you know, dark hair, yes. dark eyes. Oh, I th- you know? I've heard about some of this, like the yes. bears. The you know there's yeah. pixies yeah there's right th- yeah which is I, I I know that that's not a classification straight people put on them but you're like isn't that like sort of negative on some level but yeah every but just like you know um Kevin has a type right yeah. I have a type that catches my eye yeah right it's the same yeah. thing luckily yeah. it looks somewhat yeah. like me at least remotely. It, but let me say <laughs> let me say that two to three percent of the time gives you a life right and gives you peace right and uh things are no longer out of control that's right so and it's the instruction of the word of god you guys mm-hmm. dive into the word yeah. and believe what you see there and feeling totally loved yeah. by god and knowing that love and it, it's hard to explain to somebody that doesn't understand it, but you feel so complete and so, yes. um, you know, like you've been, I don't know, trusted. You've been, he's vetted you, right? He loves you. Yes. He knows who you are top to bottom and like soaking in that love. Yeah. And, you know, you, because I didn't know it either, but, you know, even mm-hmm. though I was Christian, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But to know that love, it took a lot of time and it wasn't until that recently right that i in, but once you're in there yes. you feel so complete yes. and you feel so what's the word i'm looking for um you don't need other people to acknowledge you because you know yeah. who you are you don't have anything to prove yeah. anymore you don't have to or prove hide. anything Hello. right and th- i think that's what allows you to be so vulnerable yeah because you know i mean yes. i can tell by looking at you you have this godly countenance about you you just shine with his well, love Thank you. I needed and, that. But you and do. You have, and I think, I mean, you can see it yes. coming off of you. But, yes. you know, and you've been, he's acknowledged you. He's yeah. like, I love you. I love you with all your flaws. I love you with all, everything. And once you know that love, yeah, it frees you. Uh, and I often say, he took my mess. He took me with mm-hmm. my mess. Absolutely. He didn't wait till I got churchy and, you know. And knew all the right prayers. cleaned right? up. Yeah. He took me at my worst and yeah. said, come on down. I want you. Yeah. I'll help you. You're the one, right? You're yeah. for me. Yeah. No, no rejection. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And that's, that is what it feels like, doesn't it? It feels yes. like so completely loved. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, that's yes. a, that, and that I'm sure on some level, like that's what helps maintain that. Like you can you can make any day, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Just knowing yes. that. Yeah. So let me tie in something here because this is just you know again I've had lots of experiences with certain types of people that struggle with this issue because there are a lot of different types of people that struggle with this, and two particular guys come to mind, um, and both of these guys were as nice of people as I really know, okay? Mm -hmm. They were gentle souls. They really were. And they also were a little bit effeminate, okay? Let's just say that. But the problem is they weren't even necessarily gay, okay? But they were the target of a, you know, a certain type of gay person that goes after that kind of person. And I am telling you, they were in tears the way they were bullied and harassed, right, by these other people, right? And so you start to really get a, a picture that this person, you know, really is almost a victim in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Because of them being maybe the type of somebody else, right? Oh. And then you start to see this play out. You know. Right. I also told um, Kevin and Pastor Hare a story about one of my really good friends growing up. And before I even knew what the word gay was, I just knew that he didn't like girls, right? Because we would hang out together all the time. We'd spend weekends together. Like I would spend the night at his house with his parents. My parents totally okay. So they must have known on some level too that he wasn't going to try anything on me. Like, But we were best of friends and I always knew he liked boys. And um, we would talk about boys together in the way that you do in junior, junior high, you know, very innocently. But I always knew, and I knew him for a very long time. He's a very special man, um, very good friend of mine. But, you know, it was one of those things that, yeah, from a very, very young age, um, it was obvious that something, that he just didn't seem to be attracted to girls at all. Right. And, um and so I know when I was thinking through these issues, especially at the time, I wasn't really capable of knowing what to say, right? Um, but I can tell you now what I know is that, you know, you talk about that moment, you know, that you have with God that something needs to change. But there's another moment that when you continue to pursue God that you come to. And this is the moment where you realize, I don't feel any different i'm not acting any different but you come to this conclusion that god loves me in an incredible way Mm -hmm. in an incredible way that i'm going through this i don't see anything happening and he is totally in love with me right and if god Mm -hmm. almighty god that is so perfect can love me when i feel this way and I know that I'm doing wrong, I'm feeling wrong, and if God can love me, right, then I have to learn to love myself, right? And this is that point, that second point that God gets you to where you, you learn to love him and you learn to talk to him, but when you learn to love yourself, that is the day that you start to realize, I can do something different, right? And so you think about these people that are preying on these young men because they're nice and because they can be bullied and because they are sensitive, right? So you think about that point when they learn to love themselves 
is the point where they will realize I will not allow other people to treat me differently than God. And that's when they will be able to more likely stand up against these bullies, right, in their life, right? And so you start to realize this is a real crucial moment in all of our lives where we learn to love ourselves. And that's when things finally start to change. You love yourself even though you really are still a sinner. You still struggle with this. It's not 3%. It feels like 50-50. <laughs> okay, 60-40. You see what I'm saying? And you ha until you learn to love yourself there, you're not going to be able to move to that next section where God allows you to now stand up to the people. If you're the one of these gentle souls out here who's being bullied, God wants you to love yourself. Amen. Well, I want to know Pastor Burke, what would you say to someone that's going through that, that's being bullied or becoming a, a, a sexual target like that? What would you say to them? Get out of the territory. Yes, it is a territory. Do not receive it. We are so desperate for love and acceptance that, you know, anything goes. Right. Something is better than nothing, the devil tells us. That's right. But something isn't better than nothing. Sorry. Clear out. Find a safe person. And they are out there who you can share with and who will lead you in the right direction. That's and the good. Bible says to flee. Yes. Sexual immorality. There you there's go. There's some things you can't really stand and fight against. That's right. There's, you there's, need yeah, help. There's you need something, help. nothing you can do but flee. But that's why your new Hearts Outreach program, right? That's why that exists. Yeah. Right? Tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, by the way, I have a really positive story about how a church welcomed me, if that fits somewhere. I think it always fits. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but the ministry, right? Yes. So we're 23 years old. And by the way, marriage is possible. We are celebrating, after 23 years, 17 marriages. Wow. Many with children. Some people come to us and they say, I've always wanted to be married and have kids. And I got off on this side road. Mm -hmm. And so just know, be encouraged. There is hope. Uh and they ask me what the magic, uh, I say, don't come to me. I mean, go to God, pray, and pour your heart out before God, and he'll work it out. Uh, but we don't have any <laughs> magic formula. Right. It's just if that's a motivation of your heart, go there. Yeah, and uh, he will see you through. So I definitely want to ask you about that church you were telling us, how you had a different experience when you went there. I have heard over the years so many terrible stories about how churches made folks struggling with gender stuff feel unwelcome. And um, I, I've heard stories that pastors say, well, you know what? We don't deal with any of this in our church. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go to the church down the street? Uh, all sorts of crazy stories. But I have a good church story. And I, I'm looking forward to sharing it. <clears throat> so I was three years into my recovery, which here in Tampa Bay looked like. For three years, I was attending a support group in Temple Terrace <clears throat> in a church. It was called Straight Ahead. Uh, and there was a bunch of guys and gals trying to come out of uh, gender stuff. 
And at the same time, I did follow-up counseling after treatment with Dr. George Perry. So I was seeing him weekly and uh, my uh, healing was continuing following treatment. <clears throat> and so I was in a little church, a little evangelical covenant church, kind of like a little Baptist church. They mm -hmm. were a Bible-believing church. And three years into my recovery in Tampa Bay area, the pastor says, Mark, <clears throat> I want you to share your testimony on Palm Sunday evening for the first time now. Are you getting this? Wow. And wow. I'm, I'm saying, I beg your pardon? No pressure. Who? What was that again? <laughs> you want me in your pulpit? <laughs> <laughs> when? And um, so I had a whole lot of people pray. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but so he came out of the word. I think it was uh, maybe 1 Corinthians 6, you know, such were some of you, but you were washed, healed, and so on. <laughs> and then after that, he had me come up and share a little of my testimony. And I'll tell you something. My knees were knocking. I'm <laughs> not being melodramatic here. I had cotton mouth so bad. One of a, a sensitive soul, a guy in the congregation, I mean, it was obvious. <laughs> you know, I could hardly speak. He went and got me a cup of water. So when I finally got the H word out, right. you know, it got better. I mean, I was standing in front of people I didn't know very well, and I was sharing my most embarrassing part of my life, you know, that I didn't ask for. <clears throat> but get this. So <clears throat> I was able to sit down. I got to my chair and <laughs> sat down. And then he had a time of healing prayer at the altar. And so, of course, I went down to pray and out of the congregation came not one but two big hulky fullback type guys both married with children neither of whom I knew well and get this one of them kneels on one side of me and grabs my hand. The other one kneels on the other side of me and grabs my hand. That's right. Wow. And their word to me was, Mark, there but for the grace of God, go either one of us, and we have come to support you and to help you. You talk about a turning wow. point. In that moment... Mm. I felt the unconditional love of straight men. I finally belonged to the tribe of men. I no longer was other. Wow. I was the real deal. You were. You know? And for 20 years, I'm trying to have sex with men. But in God's economy, he sends these two men. Right. You know? I mean, wow. are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and get this, five other married men, not all with children, afterward came up to me and they said, Mark, we want to support you. And so we're going to be a prayer group for you. Are you getting this? Yes. I mean, these men are coming to me. Right. For godly reasons. That's right. They're not wanting to hit on me or <laughs> take advantage of me or whatever. And... This is a turning point. Yeah. This is life-changing. This church did everything right. Yes. I hope that me. every person that listens to this podcast heard 
what just happened there. It's that moment in your life. And I know that God wanted that moment to happen with you and your dad. But it took a long time to see the healing that can happen when we come alongside of each other. And, you know, I think that that's what showed the true courage is that you were willing to be real. And I think that's what we all want. We all want that moment where we are totally real and totally vulnerable. And I think sometimes when I look at heaven, I think to myself, heaven is a place we are fully known and fully loved. And God wants us to bring that here. That's the goal. And when that happened in a church, you were given more healing than you'd ever been given before. And you start to realize, you know, this is what God intends for all of us. And I, I pray for the moment of every person. I pray that you have that moment. I pray that God leads you to a place. I pray that God leads us all in our hearts to be there in that moment with another person. And I know I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for the men who have stood by me. I'm thankful for my counselor that when I went through my divorce, that, that I had somebody there that would tell me the truth. And the truth is that God loved me <laughs> and that even though I was going through these difficult issues and even though some of these issues are clearly my own, <laughs> but nonetheless, God still loved me and he had a bright and glorious future for me. And that is what I tell the world that God's not just interested in second chances. It's an infinite number of chances. That's what this side of heaven really is about. I can't think if we've had anything more encouraging on our podcast in quite some time. So we want to thank you, uh, Pastor and, uh, you know, Mark. And I just appreciate you and being able to be vulnerable. And we're going to have another episode where we talk about your ministry, some actual objective ways that we can, you know, help people that are struggling with these issues in our lives. And then also about how your your ministry continues to grow. <laughs> you have a new vision for a, a great, great uh, world center, possibly. See, so. But we want to mention right now that we're going to have his information up on our website on the supernaturaljunkies.com on the blog there. Also, check out. Um, we'll get more into this in the next episode with him. But just in case you don't make it there this week, New Hearts Outreach, right? New NewHeartsOutreach.com, is that right? NHOTampa.com is our website. NHO for New Hearts Outreach. NHOTampa.com is the website. Okay. And then you have a contact um, place on there as well that people could get a hold of you? Yeah, we have a voicemail line, uh, and it is 813-248-9772. It's just a voicemail line. You leave your name and number, and some of our team will call you back. Again, 813-248-9772. Well, I want to just take a chance to pray for us before we before we leave. And we have was- one other website for you to check out. It's www.sdgglobalalliance.net. And we will have all of this available on the supernaturaljunkies.com. Also on the little blurb for the blurb, excuse me, burb, blurb for the show notes. We'll have that there. Right. So God bless you all. And I just pray for each person here. And I, I know that we all need that moment where we turn to God. And then we also have that moment 
where we learn to love ourselves that when we are in Christ, right, only when we are in Christ, that there is no more condemnation to those that are in him. And I pray for that moment for each one of us, and I pray that we will learn to be there in that moment for other people. And I pray a blessing upon each person. Amen. Amen. Thank you to our loyal subscribers and listeners. We really appreciate you guys. And we want to let you know about SupernaturalJunkies.com. If you sign up for the newsletter there, you'll be the first to know about anything that's happening with us, any events we might be doing. And also Kevin's book, The COVID Beast, is out now and available on Kindle. You can get that on our website. And the Audible version, as well as the softcover book, should be out in a few weeks from now. Signing up for that newsletter will get you in the loop to be the first to hear about it. We're also going to be coming out with SupernaturalJunkies.com gear with that cute cartoon logo. Because some of you have been asking about that, we're going to have it on mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies, as well as stickers and magnets. If you want in on that, like I said, sign up for that newsletter. Also, if you love our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could write us a review on any of the platforms you listen on or share this with anyone you think might be interested. I know we harp on it all the time, but that's because that review helps us get found. It helps boost us on the algorithm. And that's why we're always asking. So, because we don't have a lot of reviews right now. So that would mean the world to us. Once again, we appreciate you guys. So grateful for you. Thank you and have a blessed week.